This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Good evening, everyone, and welcome along to the latest edition of the Blood Red podcast with me, your host, Patrick Smith. We've got something a bit different for you today, as this is being recorded live after Liverpool have beaten AC Milan 4-1 in a friendly but lost on one of those random penalty shootouts that we've seen during these Dubai friendlies. Well, alongside me, we've got Theo Squires. Theo, how's things? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, I suppose Liverpool won, so I should be positive about that. It's just weird playing friendlies this time of year, isn't it? I don't like it. I don't like the penalties at the end of it, but it's out of the way now. Real football returns next week. Indeed. And we've also got Keith McDonald. Keith, are you glad to the back of these weird mid-season friendlies as well? Yeah, it's been it's been a bit weird, hasn't it? And especially kind of like Theo says with the World Cup final kind of looming this weekend, feels all very pointless. But if it helps them, you know, gear up for their preparations ahead of Man City and then get a win there, then I've got no complaints. Yeah, exactly. That. We've got lots to talk about. Very positive vibes coming from the match today. So Theo, we'll come to you first. It was a much more comprehensive performance. Better result, better performance than the friendly against Lyon last week. Decent performance in Liverpool there. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it was. I think um, against Leon, it was good, what, opening half hour or so. But then with the press, they got a bit tired. It's the first game for over a month. And you're obviously going to be a little bit rusty. Uh, but here, it was a bit more of a, was it 60 minutes we got out of the start in 11? So it was more rhythm there. You can tell they've had a few more training sessions. They've had that game in their legs. And it was a, a lot more like it. I thought there were positives on the pitch when you turned off. Mohamed Salah looks sharp. Uh Darwin Nunez's little cameo at the end there, getting a couple of goals. Ben Doak looked really lively when he came on. I'm sure we'll get to all these individual performances, but Thiago, absolutely screamer from him. It was a good individual display. Stefan Bassetic just adding to his pedigree even more. He's, forget he's only 17 or 18. Um, all these links we're getting with Amrabat at the moment. You might not need him if he's stepping up and making this claim as to Fabinho understudy. Even someone like Oxley chamberlain where it wasn't the perfect performance, but he, Put in, uh, an impactful display, shall we say. Uh, he was linking up well with his teammates. He was creating chances. When you've got the um, injuries to Diaz and Jota and you think, oh, do they need another forward? At least you've got someone there who can play it. And it isn't just going to be Nunes, Firmino and Salah for the next two months with a couple of kids accompanying them. There is someone who's a bit more senior there. Joel Matip just turning into what Beckenbauer, whatever we want to call him, doing his amazing little run forward. There's a few positives there. Uh, a couple of complaints, maybe... Um, AC Milan got in behind a bit too easily at times. Andy Robertson, not a fault for the goal, but he'll have questions over it, how it was cutting inside and getting the finish on him again, having been involved in Leon's opening goal. But for friendlies, it's all you can take out of, isn't it? You just focus on the positives. There's enough there for to be encouraged by ahead of Man City next Thursday. Yeah, plenty mentioned there, Theo, that we're going to get stuck into as we go through this podcast. We've got to start off, as Kumar says in the comments, this is a better pressing performance. That's the thing that's impressed me most. The Liverpool Echoes, Paul Gore, spoke to Andy Robertson in the week with an exclusive interview, and he mentioned how they're working on pressing Kiefer in this training camp specifically. Really, really positive viewing today on that front, wasn't it? Really good counter-attacking, transition defence. Clearly, the training camp's worked in that respect. Yeah, I think the key word, I'd say, is rhythm. Um, you know, obviously, this is a mini pre-season for Liverpool, and... You know, it's kind of similar to what you'd see in, you know, in the Far East during the summer when the first game, you know, the starting eleven would play 45 minutes and, and then in the second game or the third game, then you'd see that gradually improved and, and maybe 60 and 75 minute marks. Obviously, today it was a 60 minute mark and, you know, that, that side is, that, that obviously they started with today, you'd probably expect nine of those um, to, to start against City next week. So, I think 
as well as how good the patterns of play were, uh, you know, during possession, I think obviously that the big thing was out of possession, they looked better. Obviously, as Theo says, it wasn't, you know, the, the complete performance and there was, you know, uh, you know, some questionable passages of play and stuff maybe showing signs of rustiness. I think especially for, like, for, the, for their goal, I think Robertson could have gone out to him a bit more and, and maybe, you know, made him made a decision a bit earlier and, and maybe could have had a bit of help from Bacetic. But, you know, I think that's when you've been a bit too picky. Um, but like I said, the, you know, in and out of possession, it was much more like Liverpool of old. And and even you know before the World Cup break, we, Liverpool's pressing hasn't been what it, you know, what it has been in recent seasons, and I think that's obviously been a, a big part of of why they have maybe struggled to, you know, match those performances of, of certainly last season, you know, in, in the Premier League this year. So you know, you, you'd think that's kind of been the base to to what Liverpool have done so well under Jurgen Klopp over the last five, six, seven years has, has been the pressing and their ability to win the ball high up. So if they can kind of get that in order, which obviously signs today show, show you know, it's it's looking more and more likely, um, then obviously you'd imagine it would only equate to, to kind of better results, you know, in the Premier League and, and hopefully spear them up the table. Yeah, exactly that. It's so promising to see, you know, a classic Jurgen Klopp team trait coming back because they have lacked in it this season. And something else they've also struggled with, Theo, is scoring early goals. They've often conceded early goals particularly in the Premier League over the past couple of months. They scored two early goals in both the friendlies here. Mohamed Salah, obviously, today. A lovely, mazy run from Joel Matip to set it up. How important is it going to be that Liverpool stop conceding these early goals in the Premier? Because it's cost them so much in so many games, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Um, it's one of the reasons why all season long we've been talking about getting to this World Cup break and using it as a reset button to get players back from injury and to not have like another pre-season, but to just work properly on those levels because Liverpool have been playing catch-up, let's be honest. like The season started so much later, or finished so much later last year, having got to the Champions League final and every, played every game. So the summer break wasn't long enough. The pre-season wasn't long enough with the World Cup. And they've just had to go into it with one arm tied behind their back. Now they've had the weeks on the training pitch where they can focus on these levels. They're able to bring back the pressing game and it's almost reminiscent of when Klopp first took over at Liverpool. That that was the pressing game they want. As they've adapted over time, it's become a more light version of the Gegen pressing. But now it looks like it's going to be fully going for teams and trying to catch them by um, surprise, this rock and roll football. And if you start in doing that in your games, teams aren't going to be scoring these early goals against you because you're going to be terrifying them from the first whistle. When we think of some of the best games that we all look on so fondly, from Klopp's reign, it's the, the Man Cities and those big European games, um, like the 3-0 at Anfield in the, that 17-18 season. And that was just explosive with how Liverpool started. Now, I'm not going to say Liverpool are going to be 3-0 up against Man City after half an hour next week, but it is a throwback to that sort of football, and that's the positives you can take from it. Um, I put in the, the blog today, I think after in the second minute, this is a disgrace Liverpool haven't scored yet after the Lyon game, just tongue-in-cheek, and then lo and behold, they score three minutes later. Certainly keep this up, guys. Let, let's get a few more early goals so it's at least not uh, playing catch-up in matches as well. Like uh, Liverpool, when they're at their best with Alisson in goal, Van, Van Dijk at centre-back, Fabinho at his best at holding midfield, you know you're not going to concede many goals. So if they can get that back into their game as well, we're hopefully going to see something that's a lot more Liverpool-like in this second half of the season. Yeah, hopefully we see that reset button, as you mentioned, Theo, because it's a very good habit to get into scoring early. I mean, Keith, I mentioned Joel Matip there. This week, I've spent the majority of it talking about Ibrahim Akanate, how amazing he's been for France in that World Cup game against Morocco, how impressive he's been. He could potentially be lining himself up for a guaranteed starting one at Liverpool. Has Matip proven today that, hang on a minute, this is my position, I can offer a lot more to the team than he can? 
It's certainly not a bad problem to have if you think where Liverpool were, you know, only what eighteen months ago, or you know, when they had that centre back crisis, and you know, you know, they were pulling people from all different kinds of positions. So to have someone of you know Canate's quality and at his age as well, only only twenty three, um, you know, even Joe Gomez, who's probably become a forgotten figure over the last twelve months or so with with the injuries he's had. Um, but like I say, you had you had Matip into that, who's you know probably playing the best football. Um, he's played of his, of his Anfield career so far. What, what is he now? He's 31. So he's, he's probably getting to that that stage where, you know, you are maybe looking to get an, another couple of seasons out of him and then you'd maybe phase him out a bit. Um, but, you know, like today, I, I tweeted after after the Salah's goal that, you know, as funny as those kind of runs are, and obviously they have become a bit of a meme, those dramatic runs from deep. You know, we saw them against Leeds a couple of times last season, but they are so important, um, you know, especially when you come against those low block teams. And I, I know, obviously, he played up until October when he was injured, but you think of the games after that, you know, those times when Liverpool were just kind of huffing and puffing, trying to break teams down, and they just they just weren't able to do it. And, and with him kind of stepping forward and, and kind of stepping out of defence and, and kind of add an extra body, I mean, you look for the goal today, none of the Milan midfielders track him. And I don't know, you know again, you can put that down to, to rustiness or, you know, being a bit lethargic with it being a friendly, but you just don't expect, I mean, obviously we kind of expect it now, but Teams don't expect Matic to, to keep going. They think surely he's going to stop. And and then all of a sudden he gets to the edge of the 18-yard box and, you know, he picks a, a wonderful pass, which he, you know, to his credit, he always seems to do. You know, at times you've seen he might lose it. But, I mean, the goal he scored against Leeds in the 6-0 early this year, you know, he plays a 1-2 with Salah and finishes it really coolly. There's the, the game at Ellen Road last year when um, he, he plays it to Trent and then Trent whips it into Salah for the opener. I just think it's so important. It's such a, you know, we hear Pep Linder say it all the time, but it's such an unpredictability. You know, it's, a, it's something that Liverpool kind of have that other teams don't have. Um, and I think obviously that's only going to make you, you know, harder to, to play against and, and kind of harder to, to stop in those attacking, you know, you think of when Liverpool have been at the best with, with you know, previously Mane, Firmino and Salah, that front three has been so unpredictable and teams just haven't been able to stop them. And, you know, if you can add a sprinkle of John Matip and his kind of, will we footwork into that? It's obviously not going to be a problem. But, you know, if, if Canate comes back and he's a World Cup winner or a World Cup runner-up, and, and you've got Joel Matip, who's playing in the form that we all know he can, and you've got Virgil van Dijk, who's obviously probably at the peak of his powers, um, then, you know, it's certainly going to be good questions for, for Liverpool. And, and, and I think Gary Gillespie said it in, on commentary one when Phillips came on, that, you know, he's a he's a perfectly good fifth choice as well. So it's like Liverpool have gone from, in the space of 18 months, having no options to potentially having, you know, you think someone like, someone like Nat Phillips, who you'd imagine, you know, most Premier League, bottom half of the table kind of teams maybe looking to stay in the division top end of the championship as he did with Bournemouth last year you know they'd, they'd all I'm sure they'd happily welcome Nat Phillips into their squad so to kind of have him as like a not maybe unfairly to call him a last option but you know it certainly kind of shows the, the kind of strength and depth that Liverpool do have at the moment and, and obviously that's that's so important The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo What I like from yeah, Matip as well is he, he keeps such a cool head. Like if you're a defender running forward, it's so easy when you're in that final third to just panic, going, oh, crap, what am I doing here? But for him to not only have the cool head to play that pass to Firmino, but to carry on the run and then go, you know what, I'm not just going to lash at this. I'm going to just lay it off first time to Salah. Uh, he's, you can tell he's really grown into that role. And he is a player that we always seem to write off when he gets injured and forget about him. And then he comes back from injury and reminds you how good he is. I know I've been guilty of that myself a few times, right? And going, right, this is the time Liverpool run out of patience with him now because he gets injured far too often. We've got other options there. Just move him on and get someone in younger. 
but then he just comes back and he reminds you how good he is and what he offers that is completely different to anyone else. Like I still think Canate should be first choice. Virgil van Dijk has said himself, Canate is his long-term replacement and he's the one who offers a bit of everything. He's got that pace that suits Liverpool to be able to play that higher line. He's got the passing rate and he can carry out of defence so well. You know, two, three years' time, Canate is going to be the Van Dyke mould. He is going to be that linchpin in defences. Van Dyke's a bit older, and you'd imagine Matip, two years left in his contract, 18 months left, he's the one they're going to sacrifice when the time comes, like Sadio Mane with the front line this year. But then this is just writing him off again, going, oh, Joel Matip will go at the end of the contract because they've got the younger ones who will then go and replace him. But he always comes back and finds a way. It's just the injuries that make you have this narrative around him. If you could get rid of them, then we'd say, oh, he's a quality option to keep. Free transfer as well. Must be one of the best bargains in Liverpool's history. And the fact that was it last year, he barely got injured at all. Anyway, we saw the best football from him. So we know when he gets that rhythm of games, you're seeing even more of a quality player. He had, has the injuries in the past. It always seems to be at the worst moment. Just when Liverpool need him to stay fit and stand up and be counted, he drops down. So good sign of this quality today. Certainly a timely reminder of his quality today when we've all been waxing lyrical about uh, Canate at the World Cup. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, once we've got the first two games out of the way after the World Cup, who is going to be that first choice option? Because Canate is not going to be available against City. He's probably not going to be available against Aston Villa. That's Matip's chance to stake his claim, get a lot shirt ahead of Joe Gomez. And we know games come thick and fast with uh, festive periods. You can have the domestic cup competition coming back with the FA Cup, Champions League coming back. And even though we're halfway through the season, games-wise, we're only about a third way through compared to the total Liverpool played last year. Now, they're not going to play 63 matches this year, but there is a lot of football still to be played. They're going to need to rotate between these centre-back options, and it suits them so much having Matip at the best of his abilities, fully fit, and Canate coming back with one with medal around his neck, whether it's a gold one or a silver one. I think just, just, to, just to add to what Theo said there is... Um, another kind of element that will obviously please Jurgen Klopp is that obviously for France, Canati's played on the left, hasn't he, so far? I know he's only played twice, but obviously that would kind of signal that, you know, I, I know that like last year when obviously Van Dijk came back from his injury, I think everyone expected him to be rotated far more than he did. And kind of the later in the season Liverpool got, there was just no games to rotate him. And, and you know, obviously I know it was Canati's first season in England and, and all that kind of stuff. So obviously that, that obviously has a, an impact on that, but... You know, now that he's done this role and we, we all seen how impressive he has been for France on the left-hand side, that, you know, gives another thing of, well, if he, if he needs to, you know, you've got the ability now to to hook up, you know, Joel and, and Ibrahim Canate or, or, you know, Canate and Gomez, something that we maybe haven't seen as much as we thought, you know, when they both signed, they were kind of all heralded as a, kind of the future of, of Liverpool. Um, but now, as, as they kind of alluded to it on commentary as well, that Liverpool obviously are starting this, the second half of the season with, you know, on a... Not at a point, well, obviously, a point's disadvantage, but they're at a stage now where there is literally no room for error. You know, in the Champions League as well, obviously, it's a knockout competition, but obviously, in the Premier League, they're, they're seven points behind Tottenham. Obviously, they've, they've got the game in hand, but there is literally no room for error. So, every game is going to be like a final. It's going to be like what we saw in April, May last year, where, you know, you're playing your strongest team. And, and obviously, some at some point in that kind of journey, you're going to have to, you, you are going to have to rest Matip and, sorry, you are going to have to rest Van Dijk as, as good as, you know, he has been over the, maybe not in, in recent months, but certainly last season. Um, and, you know, if you can have Canati there, who, who has shown how good he has can be on the left-hand side. And obviously Matip today kind of reminded everyone of his qualities. Like I say that's, a, that's kind of a new partnership that we maybe haven't seen enough of over the last 18 months. And, you know, it's only going to boost Liverpool's chances of fielding, you know, stronger teams on a, on a more consistent basis as they do kind of look to 
make up for the, the first half of the season. Yeah, exactly. That it's, it's a nice problem to have. To be honest, we've had so many problems over the years in the centre back department. You know, you've got cast your minds back to two years ago and the multitude of problems we had there. Talking about maybe even selling Nat Phillips on commentary shows how a luxury of position we are in. Well, let's move forward then into the midfield. A lovely strike from Thiago for the second goal. Really well taken. He's also providing to be a great role model though for young Stefan Bajetic, Theo, isn't he? I mean, another really, really impressive performance from the young midfielder today. He seems to me way beyond his years. It's like, I'm not going to compare him to Jude Bellingham, but when you watch those sorts of players, you can't believe how young they are in a sense, how composed they are on the ball. Yeah, definitely. Like normally when you get a chance in the Liverpool midfield and you're the youngster coming through the academy, like if you look at Tyler Morton or Leighton Clarkson in recent years, you're 18, 19, 20, and then you go out on loan, whereas Bissetic has had this chance as a 17-year-old, doesn't he? Has he hit 18 yet or he's only just about to hit 18? He's still so young. Like They only signed him as young as they did because Brexit was coming in and it was the last chance they could get him. Otherwise, they'd have to wait years and then it'd cost so much more if they wanted to renew that interest. Now, Kiefer and I have seen a fair bit of academy football over the last couple of years, and he was always a player in the youth league or the 18s that, that stood out. Like they signed him as a centre-back, but they decided quite early on. Now, see, he was a number six, and he's just stood out in that role ever since. He's someone that uh, Pep Linders name-dropped very early on, as we want to have a look at him in pre-season, when he's still only 16, 17 at the time. And he's just not looked back since. Uh, it's one where, if you were those two, three years older, we wouldn't be talking about the likes of Amrabat or if someone's a replacement for Binho, and he would be starting games in the Premier League. He would be getting those opportunities. But he's whilst he's got the brain, it's still about the body playing catch-up, and that's something I think Jurgen Klopp said before. Mm. I, I saw him against uh, Accrington in the Papa John's Trophy this year, and, and he struggled that day, for example, because Accrington, there was a couple of former Liverpool Academy graduates there, and they didn't target him, but they didn't give him a moment's rest on the ball. They were just flying in hard at every opportunity, not wanting to give the youngsters time on the ball because you know that's how you can unsettle them, especially when it's that physical game. Now, with Liverpool, they pass it around quicker. You've got those players who can protect him that you're not going to get at the, the younger levels. But that shows that there's still growth in him there. It's something that he needs to learn. And we say it about all the young players. Once they bulk up, you see really whether they can make it at that level. But for him to be getting these opportunities when he is still so young, it is a great sign because it is a difficult position, that number six, to be the lone holding midfielder when you're playing against players that 10, 15 years older than you. It's a madness. And the fact that he can do it so well is credit to him. As you said, Thiago's the perfect um, role model for him. Was it the two dads that played together, was it, back in the day? They did, yeah. So that, that's another one where they well, definitely want his arm around him, making sure that he's going the right way. And There's no better player to learn from than Thiago. I know uh, Enrique might have appreciated him much with Spain and barely used him once he joined Liverpool, only gave him a few substitute appearances at the Euros. I don't think he's called him up since. Oh, that's cost him the Spain job, let's be honest. Uh, Liverpool yeah. won't have any complaints. Thiago rested. Now we're looking at him scoring a wonderful goal against AC Milan. Another player who stay injury-free and he's going to be laughing this second half of the season. He's so important when he's on form. And we just want to see that continue second half of the season. Yeah, really strange one from Luis Enrique not picking Thiago. Well, he can have more time to focus on his Twitch streaming now, I suppose, can't he? Well, Kiefer, there's another couple of young players as well who impressed me today. It's probably the best I've seen from young Bobby Clark. A lovely ball for Darwin Nunez's first goal. And Ben Doak as well, once again, just lighting up the faces of every Liverpool fan around the world. I mean, he's really exciting to watch, isn't he? Yeah, first of all, Bobby Clark, he's, he's another one, isn't he? That, that Pep Linders, you know, in that same kind of, I think it was before an FA Cup tie earlier this year, wasn't it? At the start of 2022, he, he said... 
Um, obviously with Pesetic, obviously Clark as well, that they want to have a look at in pre-season. And, you know, the noise that has kind of come out has, has been, you know, prior to prior to the, the tour of Thailand in the summer was that, you know, these two lads are going to be the, you know, the potential to be the future of Liverpool. And, and obviously we know that Clark's got pedigree in terms of his, his dad playing. You know, he's a good player for Newcastle, wasn't he? Before my time, I, I may add, but from things I've heard and clips I've seen, um, you know, a, a very good Premier League player. So, you know, he'll know exactly what it's going to take in terms of, you know, being exposed to a first team and kind of he'll have the right environment around him in, in terms of the, the right noise and the right advice. So that's always a, a positive to look at that, that, you know, many academy players probably won't have. Um, but, I mean, we saw against Derby, didn't we, in, in, in terms of obviously handed his first start there and how good he was. I, I know obviously Derby are League One, but he's just so confident and so willing to get on the ball and he kind of loves to pick the ball up on the half turn. And I said after the game to one of my friends, I said he's, he's someone who just screams a Pep Guardiola midfielder in terms of he's constantly picking up, you know, the ball in, in half spaces and, and kind of looking to attack. And, you know, there was a few times where he tried a few skills and it, it didn't pay off, but he didn't let that get the better of him. And he kind of, you know, still asking for the ball. And again, positive signs from from a young player because, you know, we, we've seen over the years, you, you know, when players do make the step up and there may be a couple of mistakes. And and then, you, you know, I think of a young Jordan Henderson who, who if he if he misplaced a, his first pass at a game, the second one would have to be a spectacular 20-yard pass on the half volley and then, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself chasing the game and you're kind of in your own personal battle. Um, but, you know, he's just fantastic. And that, and that ball for Nunes, I mean, it's just, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, you, you could just chip that into the channel and just hope for the best. But the fact that he's drilled it on the floor between the between the defenders, like perfect weight as well. And, and and kind of Nunes doesn't even have to break stride, does he? He just kind of passes it into the, into the, near, into the near post, which is... You know, a, a good finish, but it's all about the ball from from Bobby Clark, and you just hope now that he's another one with like Pesetic, who you know can maybe stay around the the kind of first team forward. I mean, I saw you know reports this morning of something of a low move to Preston, and but maybe Liverpool have buffed that. I'm not not sure how true that is, but you know these kind of noises that Championship teams are are you know potentially wanting to take him out on loan is is kind of an, an enormous um, an enormous kind of bit of praise for him and kind of how far he's he's come since he obviously made the move from Newcastle last year. And and another one is obviously Ben Doak, who's probably, a, you know, a, a bit behind Clark in terms of his development. You know, obviously he only moved to the club this summer. He's, he's a year younger as well. But I've, I've said to a couple of people, you know, like the obviously when we go down to the academy games and, and even, you know, when he made his uh, debut against Derby in the League Cup as well, he really reminds me, and I don't want to put pressure on the kid, but he reminds me of a young Wayne Rooney in terms of, you know, when you watch clips of Rooney when he kind of broke onto the to the scene. At, uh, I'm amused by you calling someone a kid when you're only like two years older than him yourself. <laughs> I'm still a kid. Um, <laughs> but when you watch when you watch videos of like Rooney kind of thing when he burst into the scene in the, in the early 2000s and kind of how he just felt like a or kind of how he just looked like a, a man in a, a kid in a man's body. You know, in terms of how he just glides past people, he's just so explosive and and when he gets the ball, he's just so direct and it's almost like. With the with the derby game, and he came off those final fifteen minutes, and you know some of the senior players derby had on that night, they must have felt so disrespected that this young lad's come on for his debut, and you know instead of passing the ball backwards and and you know trying the odd skill here, he just came on, and I think his first action was like a double step over, and then kind of hits the side netting, and it just kind of shows the confidence of of him at, at that age. I think what well, he's he's obviously just turned seventeen last month, didn't he? Obviously just signed his his first pro deal, and 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 you know he kind of came with this big reputation. From Celtic, didn't he? Obviously, he'd uh, you know had a few um, appearances, um, you know, at the, at the back of the last season. Obviously, in a kind of a, a bid to kind of keep him at Celtic Park. But I mean, you, 
maybe you maybe look at those appearances and think they were maybe token gestures, um, but you kind of see him now and kind of how he handles himself against senior professionals, and you think, you know what, you you wouldn't be surprised if if you know they were they were fully merited because the kind of the performances he's putting in. And I, I did a piece in the summer. I spoke to um, his under twenty ones coach with uh, with the Scotland youth team, uh, and in kind of the build up to a piece, I spoke to a few coaches at Celtic who had kind of worked with him. Um, and in kind of his development, and a few people from the Scottish FA, and and they just basically said that you know this kid is you know we they basically one person said to me that you know they thought Billy Gilmore was going to be the, the future of Scottish football, but you know they got kind of had to rethink that. Obviously, Billy Gilmore's career hasn't maybe gone how people would have thought it to, you know, expect it to pan out. But um, all the noises from from Dope before he'd even kicked a ball for for a Liverpool team was that this kid is going to be a star, and and even with his first academy game earlier this year, you could see that, and obviously now he's kind of made the development as an in the youth league and obviously gone to the Papa John's and, and then now obviously with the first team and you'd expect now, I mean, I would imagine he'd be involved in some capacity next week, even if it's, you know, a, a couple of minutes at the end of the game, but he's just someone who you think now is going to grow and grow and grow. And, and as Theo alluded to earlier, kind of the hardest part, you know, everyone who's on the books of Liverpool is talented. You know, they, they, they've all got talent to an extent. A lot of the time that the, the hardest part is kind of making that jump into, into the men's game. And, and a lot of them obviously struggle to do that, but, as I said earlier, with, with, with Doak in terms of how he's built and kind of, he's just like, he's just so bullish, isn't he? And so direct and so confident. You you think that at 17, if he's got that, you know, if you think two or three years when he should be making the step up to the first team, you know, if he's he's going to progress in the gym, isn't he? he's going to get bigger, he's going to get stronger, he's going to get faster. You know, you think Liverpool have got a star on the hands. And I mean, again, it's it's nice for him. Obviously disappointed he didn't get the goal, but obviously gets the assist for Nunes in the end. And, you know, it was, it was some cameo from him and it's, it's nice now that he's kind of got that recognition. He's obviously made his debut, signed his pro contract, and and hopefully he can kick on and have a really positive um, second half of the season. He's a player that plays without fear. The fact that it doesn't matter if it's an under-18s game or if it's a first-team game, get him the ball at his feet and he will run at you. He doesn't care what the name is on the back of your shirt, what the badge is on the front of your shirt. He's got one thing in his mind and he will do his damnedest to try and pull that off. Like, he was unlucky when he hit the post. And we've seen it against Derby. We've seen it today. He, he does just want to get goals and assists. Uh, he enjoys it so much. And when you don't have that fear as a youngster, that's when you get that attention brought on you because you know you can make things happen. Uh, it, it's similar to when Harvey Elliott came in. Like we could see from those first youth games for Liverpool, oh, they've got someone here who's a bit higher than the rest. He stands out and he's he's got a chance. And you, you don't want to get too carried away because you don't know what's around the corner. There could be an injury that loses his confidence or a yard of pace or something, but he's at the right club to be managed the right way. Now, risking the wrath of a certain section of the supporters, it's very easy to get excited about a young player when they're 16, 17, 18, when you see the highlights reels and, oh, wow, this is the next great talent that's going to come through. But we've seen before, when these young players do get in the first team and they turn to more regularly, there's a bit of backlash there going, why are we playing him? I'd rather go and spend £100 million and go and sign someone from somewhere else. It's about that finding that balance. Liverpool have got a number of young, talented players here, but they're not going to put in 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 performances every week. It's about giving them time, and then they grow into the shirt. Like, like you mentioned with Jordan Henderson, like if they'd just written him off when he was nearly going to Fulham, then you miss out on the last decade where he's captain Liverpool to every single major on a going. You have a bit of patience, you manage them the right way, and you get the end rewards. And Hopefully, Liverpool have got a number of players here that we can see that with, from the likes of Clark. Doak, higher up, Jones, Elliot, 
maybe Fabio Carvalho. Like when things aren't going well on the pitch, there is that impatience against the youngsters because you take them for granted, but they have got the talent. That's why they're at Liverpool. And it's about managing in the right way to make sure that they are the ones in your starting eleven to avoid you having to go and spend 100 million on someone because you've already got them there and you've cut out that middle part. That's why they've gone and got Ben Dope for peanuts. Or they've got Bobby Clark for peanuts because these are the players that can save Liverpool millions in the future. And these are the ones you should be excited about. Yeah, exactly. That was certainly a very exciting group of players. And over the next few weeks as well, there's going to be a really good chance for them to get some first-team action. Obviously, the cup competition's beginning. Players are at the World Cup. There's a number of injuries across the front line, as we've already discussed. You know, there's only three fit attackers. So someone like Ben Doak will almost definitely, you'd say, be getting some minutes over the next couple of weeks. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, let's move on then to the attack. Darwin Nunes came back today. Not the best of World Cups for him, was it, Keith? A pretty disappointing way for Uruguay to crash out on goals scored. He's come straight back to Liverpool training, though, straight back in the team today off the bench and scored two goals. Very nicely taken. Yeah, 100%. I mean, obviously, he was started really started to find his feet in the kind of previous 10 games, didn't he? Before the World Cup, um, it felt like that kind of demolition of Rangers onwards you know, we really started to kick on and we, we kind of, we started to see the, the kind of the true Darwin Nunes, if you like. And obviously there has been so much scrutiny on him. I'd say a lot of unjust scrutiny as well. Um, and just bizarre kind of bantering about him and, and kind of his ability and, and stuff like that. But, you know, it was really good to him today. Obviously he had a disappointing World Cup, which you touched on, but for him to kind of come straight back into it and, and get two, you know, really, really, you know, strikers goals kind of thing, aren't they? We saw we saw his uh, one of his goals against Southampton was very similar, kind of just well placed in, in the six-yard box and he's kind of on hand to turn home. And, you know, you feel like he, if Liverpool are going to kind of get their season back on track, um, you know, in the second half of the season, really are going to, um, you know, go far in the Champions League and, and maybe make up that points gap to, to Tottenham in the Premier League for, for the top four places, especially now with the absence of uh, Luis Diaz and Diego Jota. You know, a lot of it is going to be on the shoulders of Darwin Nunes and Mohamed Salah to get the goals. And I think now that he maybe, you know, you, you'd think that the the first kind of four or five months of his Liverpool career are probably going to be the toughest in terms of, you know, you look at the red card and, as I mentioned, the scrutiny that he endured and, and you know, maybe find his feet a little bit. And, and obviously, you know, Liverpool weren't playing... You know, if you look at when Diaz came in, in in January and kind of Liverpool were flying on, or maybe not the time, but they went on to kind of go with the depths in every competition and they really started to find their form and it was such a seamless transition for him. But obviously Nunes didn't have that for, for a number of reasons. So many people missing from, from the side. And as we touched on stuff like the press, which is, you know, hard enough to gauge anyway, obviously, um, you know, that wasn't at its kind of optimum level. And and he kind of took the, the, the brunt of that kind of criticism. Um, but now, like I say, he's come back from the World Cup yeah, he'll be disappointed, but he looked delighted with his goal today, didn't he? As he, as he ran off celebrating and you know straight back into the thick of it next week against Manchester City, you you know you'd expect him to again to play some role. You know, I probably if it was me, I, I would start him. I thought Oxley Chamberlain did did all right today, but I just think Nunes gives you that something different, that bit of unpredictability. I mean, I think it was thirty seconds into the into the game, he'd already spun and had a shot and got you know, which just kind of shows how much of a handful he is and kind of reminded everyone what a player Liverpool have got on their hands and. Obviously, he kind of grew into the game as it went on, but there's plenty to like about his performance today. As I say, he was in the in the right uh, places at the right time to get the goals with calm finishes, and um, it's going to be a, a big second half of the season for him. But you know, you could easily think he, he come to come to May, he could easily have 20 goals in a debut season for Liverpool. Um, you know, you think of you know you look back at yesteryear and the likes of Torres did that, and kind of it was heralded as this amazing achievement. And it feels like Nunes is slowly edging towards that. I think he's what well, he's got nine or ten goals now, isn't he? 
Um, Mane was only what thirteen in his debut season. Pardon? Mane was only thirteen in his debut yeah. season, I think. Yeah, so. I mean, and I thought you were age then, Theo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously you kind of look at what Salah did in his debut season that maybe made expectation a bit unrealistic. And as Theo kind of mentions, you know the, the front three and how good they have been in, in recent years and kind of the numbers they've constantly been pull, pulling up has, has maybe kind of elevated that bar a bit. Um, but like I say, with greats like Fernando Torres kind of sitting there, their Liverpool stall out, you know, with a fine debut season, um, you feel like um, if he can hit that 20 goal mark, it'd be a very, very, you know, fine return for, for him at Anfield. Yeah, absolutely. As Theo mentioned, we're, you know, basically a third through the season, maybe not even halfway yet. Already got nine goals and two assists. So he's already having a decent season so far. Quickly, Theo, would you have saved the penalty you took there in the shootout? It was. <laughs> probably one of the worst strikes he'll have in his career. Yeah, it, it wasn't pretty, was it? It's just a very lazy penalty. And it's something that we've seen at the World Cup where players have just stopped hitting it. It's, it's why I don't begrudge Harry Kane's miss against France, because at least he absolutely smashed it and it's just gone over the crossbar. You hit it hard, you've got a chance. And I, I saw one on Twitter the other day from um, Julian Dix, uh, you know, Liverpool, former Liverpool player. It was when he was with West Ham and it was against Peter Schmeichel against United. And it's like the anniversary of it. He hits it so hard. You don't stand a chance. These are the penalties you want to see. Just smash it as hard as you can. Break the keeper's hand. That is what we want. You, you don't want the ones where it squirms off the fingertips and just goes in. But if you're going to take a poor penalty, get out of the way in the friendly. I said on the blog when Simicas missed his, at least he didn't do it at Wembley. Like just yeah, do it in a friendly when it doesn't matter. But adding on with Nunes, I think the compliments you can give him. When he first joined Liverpool, he looked like a square peg in a round hole. Liverpool needed that time to adapt to him, and it was coming together in the final few weeks before the World Cup. And then you see him with Uruguay, and it's like, hang on, how does he fit into this team? This just doesn't click. He isn't getting the chances, isn't scoring the goals. And you put him straight back into the Liverpool team. He's got a brace, and he's just clicked straight away. It's like, oh, he's at home again. Gives you that warm feeling inside. And just the first goal, how many times in the first half of the season did we see him one-on-one, -on -one, just kicks it straight at the keeper. He's got time and he messes it up when he's still created so many chances and got so many goals, but you think of those missed chances. These are the ones that we were talking about. Those are the ones Darwin needs to start scoring and he's got one of them today. Such speed to get away from the defence, to get beyond that last line, to run onto the through ball and he's got the composure to put it past the keeper into the bottom corner. And the second one, it's poacher's finish, right place. More of that, please, from Darwin Nunes. But this is what we've seen. He's been improving the whole season along. He looks at home now. He's had that bedding in process. And as Kiefer said, you wouldn't be surprised if he hit 20 this season. That's a really respectable return when it is a Liverpool in transition with ageing players, with players who are out injured and just adapting to life without Sadio Mane. Yeah, exactly that. And with this seeming fire in his belly, he's going to be so important over the next couple of weeks. As I said, with only three attackers fit, these goals are going to need to come from him. Well, we'll leave it there. A huge thank you to Theo Squires and Kiefer McDonald for joining me on the Blood Red podcast. Plenty of positives to take from Liverpool's 4-1 friendly win over AC Milan. It was your encouraging debut as host, mate. Up there with Bobby oh. Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the name. You're very kind to you. <laughs> well, anyway, everyone, thank you very much for listening along as well, whether it be podcast or on YouTube. We've got Analyzing Anfield for you tomorrow or Saturday if you're listening to this, as it was delayed due to Josh Williams being ill. But you've got that one to look forward to at the weekend, as well as plenty of content over on the Liverpool Echo site and the Blood Red channel. But for myself, Patrick Smith, Theo Squires and Keith McDonald, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll catch you next time on the Blood Red Podcast. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.